Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Genesis chapters 5 through 8 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org forward slash plan. The book of Genesis chapter 5. Introduction. This chapter presents a simple genealogical table, tracing each generation from Adam until Noah, who would build the famed Noah's Ark which would preserve the human race after the Great Flood. This genealogy comes from an Egyptian scroll which Moses smuggled out of Egypt during the Exodus and identifies Seth, revered as a god by the Egyptian pharaohs, as belonging to the same bloodline as Adam and Noah. The incredibly long lifespans indicated by this genealogy explains the Egyptian obsession with immortality, since this document served as proof to them that immortality was possible and had been achieved in days long past. This chapter includes the descendants of Adam. God takes up Enoch from Methuselah to Noah. Chapter 5 This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in God's likeness. He created them male and female, and blessed them. On the day they were created, he named them Adam. Adam lived 130 years, and became the father of a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he became the father of Seth were 800 years, and he became the father of other sons and daughters. All the days that Adam lived were 930 years, then he died. Seth lived 105 years, then became the father of Enosh. Seth lived after he became the father of Enosh 807 years, and became the father of other sons and daughters. All of the days of Seth were 912 years, then he died. Enosh lived 90 years and became the father of Kenan. Enosh lived after he became the father of Kenan 815 years and became the father of other sons and daughters. All of the days of Enosh were 905 years, then he died. Kenan lived 70 years, then became the father of Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he became the father of Mahalalel 840 years and became the father of other sons and daughters. And all of the days of Kenan were 910 years, then he died. Mahalalel lived 65 years, then became the father of Jared. Mahalalel lived after he became the father of Jared 830 years and became the father of other sons and daughters. All of the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, then he died. Jared lived 162 years, then became the father of Enoch. Jared lived after he became the father of Enoch 800 years and became the father of other sons and daughters. All of the days of Jared were 962 years, then he died. Enoch lived 65 years, then became the father of Methuselah. After Methuselah's birth, Enoch walked with God for 300 years and became the father of more sons and daughters. 
All of the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not found, for God took him. Methuselah lived 187 years, then became the father of Lamech. Methuselah lived after he became the father of Lamech 782 years and became the father of other sons and daughters. All the days of Methuselah were 969 years, then he died. Lamech lived 182 years, then became the father of a son. He named him Noah, saying, This one will comfort us in our work and in the toil of our hands, caused by the ground which Yahweh has cursed. Lamech lived after he became the father of Noah, 595 years, and became the father of other sons and daughters. All the days of Lamech were 777 years, then he died. Noah was 500 years old. Then Noah became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. We already know Noah's father Lamech from the false genealogy of Cain last chapter, which also introduced Noah by his original name, Jabal, as the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. Because Jabal was the eldest son of Lamech, it was his duty to avenge his father's death 77 times should Lamech die prematurely. So, when Lamech was mortally wounded, he renamed his firstborn son from Jabal to Noah, which means rest, assuming that after Noah carries out Lamech's oath of vengeance, there would be no one left to promote violence in the world. According to the pseudo-genealogy of Cain, Lamech's father was originally named Methusheel, meaning, when he dies, ask of God. This meant he could make one special request of God to be granted at the moment of his death, and we can see from this genealogy that Methusheel made this request of God by renaming himself to Methuselah, which means, when he dies, ascending forth. This was a preemptive oath against Lamech, and a warning against anyone who would attempt to avenge Lamech's death once Methuselah decided to kill him. So we can see that Noah faced quite a dilemma, one which required God's intervention to solve. If we perform a little bit of arithmetic on these lifespans, we find that the Great Flood happened in exactly the same year that Methuselah died, whose name meant, when he dies, ascending forth. We also find that Noah is the first recorded birth after the death of Adam. Noah is our second incarnation of Christ, and we will soon learn that Noah definitely improves upon Adam's ability to obey the commandments of Yahweh. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 6 Introduction In composing Genesis, Moses edited together text from multiple written sources, one way to differentiate these sources from each other is to pay careful attention to which words were used to describe God, since not all sources knew of God's personal covenant name, Yahweh. By following this technique, we can identify chapter 1 describing the creation 
in chapter 5 listing the genealogy from Adam to Noah as originating from Egyptian scrolls written by someone who did not know Yahweh. While accounts of the Garden of Eden and Cain and Abel come from a Hebrew source who knew Yahweh's name. However, when we reach this account of Noah's Ark and the Great Flood, Moses begins to weave together these different accounts with greater intricacy. Because many details of the story are mentioned multiple times, it quickly takes on a disorienting, dreamlike quality. This chapter includes corruption on the earth, Noah's favor with God, preparing the ark. Chapter 6 When men began to multiply on the surface of the ground, and daughters were born to them, God's sons saw that men's daughters were beautiful, and they took any that they wanted for themselves as wives. Yahweh said, My spirit will not strive with man forever, because he is also flesh, so his days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were in the earth in those days, and also after that when God's sons came in to men's daughters and had children with them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Yahweh saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was continually only evil. Yahweh was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. Yahweh said, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the surface of the ground. Man, along with animals, creeping things, and birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in Yahweh's eyes. This is the history of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. Noah walked with God. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. God saw the earth and saw that it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. God said to Noah, I will bring an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them and the earth. Make a ship of gopher wood. You shall make rooms in the ship, and shall seal it inside and outside with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ship shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a roof in the ship, and you shall finish it to a cubit upward. You shall set the door of the ship in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third levels. I, even I, will bring the flood of waters on this earth to destroy all flesh having the breath of life from under the sky. Everything that is in the earth will die. But I will establish my covenant with you. You shall come into the ship, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. Of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ship to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, of the livestock after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every sort will come to you to keep them alive. Take with you 
some of all food that is eaten, and gather it to yourself, and it will be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did. He did all that God commanded him. If you are interested in biblical archaeology, the Turkish government has declared the Durupinar site near Mount Ararat to be a national park and the site of Noah's Ark. This structure of fossilized wood, metal, and animal dung was uncovered by a mudslide on May 19, 1948, and matches perfectly with the dimensions given in the book of Genesis based on the ancient Egyptian royal cubit as a unit of measurement. When dealing with God and the Bible, the temptation always exists to define things in absolute terms. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, all places at all times, etc., etc. I urge you to resist this temptation and try to view these stories from the context in which they were written. Let us assume this account was first recorded by Noah and his children. If a cubit measured between 18 and 21 inches, a boat 300 cubits long and 50 cubits wide would be quite large, but not infinitely large. And when Yahweh instructed Noah to fill the ark with every kind of animal, obviously, this only included those animals known by Noah. For example, there were no giraffes aboard Noah's ark. God engineered this flood for two reasons. Number one, he needed to reset the lifespan of mankind. Forever was simply too long for a person to live, especially considering the corrupting influence of the human body. Number two, God wanted to motivate the survivors of the flood to live differently, seeing the world through a lens of justice rather than corruption and random violence. Verse 3 reads, My spirit will not strive with man forever, because he also is flesh, so his days will be 120 years. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 7, Introduction Now that Noah's Ark is complete, it is time for the wrath of God's judgment. The fragmentary nature of Moses' multiple written sources is most prevalent in this chapter. Moses intentionally edits several events out of chronological sequence, creating a sense of overwhelm as the floodwaters rise and carry away the Ark from its original perch. This chapter includes the Great Flood. Chapter 7 Yahweh said to Noah, Come with all of your household into the ship, for I have seen your righteousness before me in this generation. You shall take seven pairs of every clean animal with you, the male and his female. Of the animals that are not clean, take two, the male and his female. Also, of the birds of the sky, seven and seven male and female, to keep seed alive on the surface of all the earth. In seven days, I will cause it to rain on the earth for forty days and forty nights. I will destroy every living thing that I have made from the surface of the ground. Noah did everything that Yahweh commanded him. 
Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came on the earth. Noah went into the ship with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives because of the flood waters, clean animals, unclean animals, birds, and everything that creeps on the ground went by pairs to Noah into the ship, male and female, as God commanded Noah. After the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open, and the sky's windows opened. It rained on the earth forty days and forty nights. In the same day, Noah and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them, entered into the ship. They, and every animal after its kind, all the livestock after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort, pairs from all flesh with the breath of life in them, went into the ship to Noah. Those who went in, went in, male and female of all flesh, as God commanded him. Then Yahweh shut him in. The flood was forty days on the earth. The waters increased and lifted up the ship, and it was lifted up above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ship floated on the surface of the waters. The waters rose very high on the earth. All the high mountains that were under the whole sky were covered. The waters rose fifteen cubits higher, and the mountains were covered. All flesh died that moved on the earth, including birds, livestock, animals, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man. All on the dry land, in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, died. Every living thing was destroyed that was on the surface of the ground, including man, livestock, creeping things, and birds of the sky. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those who were with him in the ship. The waters flooded the earth 150 days. If you review God's instructions for building the ark from the last chapter, you will see that the construction afforded very limited visibility from inside the ark. And so, while Noah and his family certainly assumed that every mountain range in the entire world was covered by this flood, they simply did not have enough information to be able to verify this assumption as fact. The interesting detail that the flood waters rose exactly 15 cubits above the mountains makes it clear the narrator is referring to a local peak where the ark initially rested, since this measurement could only be determined by seeing where the waters rose against the walls of the ark itself before it began to float. We should also note that the Hebrew word translated as mountains, heharim, also means hills. The Book of Genesis, Chapter 8, Introduction Besides putting the fear of God into Noah and his family, the ordeal of the great flood placed mankind into a completely new relationship with the animal kingdom. 
after the flood, there could be no question that man exercised dominion and that animals were completely dependent upon mankind. This chapter includes the ark rests on Ararat, Noah sends a raven and a dove, exiting the ark. Noah builds an altar. Chapter 8 God remembered Noah, all the animals, and all the livestock that were with him in the ship, and God made a wind to pass over the earth. The waters subsided. The deep's fountains and the sky's windows were also stopped, and the rain from the sky was restrained. The waters continually receded from the earth. After the end of 150 days, the waters receded. The ship rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on Ararat's mountains. The waters receded continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were visible. At the end of forty days, Noah opened the window of the ship which he had made, and he sent out a raven. It went back and forth until the waters were dried up from the earth. He himself sent out a dove to see if the waters were abated from the surface of the ground. But the dove found no place to rest her foot, and she returned into the ship to him, for the waters were on the surface of the whole earth. He put out his hand and took her and brought her to him into the ship. He waited yet another seven days, and again he sent the dove out of the ship. The dove came back to him at evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from the earth. He waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, and she didn't return to him any more. In the six hundred first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth. Noah removed the covering of the ship and looked. He saw the surface of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth was dry. God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ship, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, including birds, livestock, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful, and multiply on the earth. Noah went out with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives with them. Every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird Whatever moves on the earth after their families went out of the ship. Noah built an altar to Yahweh and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Yahweh smelled the pleasant aroma. Yahweh said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake because the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. I will never again strike every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night, 
will not cease. Verse 13 states, Noah removed the covering of the ship and looked. He saw that the surface of the ground was dry. The Hebrew word translated as covering is mixe and refers to an animal skin covering which must have been draped over the ark for the duration of the flood. This would explain why Noah needed to rely on the dove returning an olive branch to determine whether or not the floodwaters had receded, a fact which should have been ascertained quite easily if Noah had an unimpeded view from inside the ark. Given the descriptions of events and locations mentioned in the text, it is clear that the Great Flood happened in the region which is now covered by the Black Sea and was large enough to completely convince Noah and his family that this cataclysm engulfed the entire world. Once outside, Noah builds an altar and makes a burnt offering to Yahweh from each of the ceremonially clean animals brought aboard the ark. This is the first mention of a burnt offering in the Bible, and it refers to the total destruction of an animal by fire, leaving none of its flesh behind as food. The flames would transform the flesh into smoke, which would then rise up to heaven as an offering to God, and the offering represented a complete surrender of our sinful nature over to the rule of Yahweh. Then Yahweh surprises Noah by speaking directly into his heart. I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, because the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. I will never again strike every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night will not cease. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your justice. I know that we as human beings are flawed, but that you've given us the potential for holiness. You've given us your word so that we can know the difference between what is holy and what is unholy. And you've given us your spirit so we can be sanctified in your name. I know that we live in a broken world, but there's nothing so broken that you cannot make it whole. And so please help us to become whole just as you intended us to be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so let it be. Thank you for listening. If you've satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you are still curious for more, please subscribe. Smash that subscribe button so that we can send you timely updates and then join us for our next episode where we will be reading Genesis chapters 9 through 12, Noah, Babel, and Abraham. This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless. Thank you.